21CL Radio. Happy Monday morning to you, and welcome to the Education Vanguard. I'm your host, Michael Bull. Wonderful to have you here today. Thanks so much for joining me. And thank you for continuing to help me with my mission, which is to build communities of learners. Today's interview is with the Director of Technology from Chatsworth International School in Singapore. You might know him already. That's Rob Newberry. It's not every day that I bring up the topic of pornography on this show. It might be safe to say I've never even discussed the topic on a radio program such as this one or even planned to discuss it. So as you can imagine, uh, it is a sensitive topic. When my guest today, Rob Newberry, mentioned he developed a pornography framework to be presented through his international school in Singapore, I was a little resistant to talking about it on air. However, because I know and respect Rob so much, I was confident this conversation would go well. And of course, it did go well. Rob, with his usual direct and truthful manner, discusses the impact of pornography on our students today. This includes the physical addictions, that was something new for me, that can develop on a result of the near-ubiquitous access our students have thanks to their ever-present internet-connected devices. Rob will present this framework in a presentation at the 21st Century Learning Conference International in Hong Kong this February. Rob Newberry, thanks so much for joining me on the program today. Oh, no, it's a pleasure. It's really nice to talk to you again, Michael. Well, we know each other well, and of course, it's going to be great to have a conversation with you that's fully recorded. And today's topic is a little different than other topics I've done in the past. And so to keep it simple, I'm just going to ask you, uh, what are we going to talk about today? Uh, Okay, well, I think uh, we are going to talk a little bit about uh, talking to kids about pornography. Okay, Um, well, you said it, not me, so go ahead. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, I guess... About uh, about six months ago, um, myself, I'm part of the student services committee at our school, and we were thinking about um, digital citizenship and child protection, and uh, talking about what we wanted, you know, putting together some type of curriculum for our kids, uh-huh. uh, especially in secondary. And one of the topics that came up, um, I think that is the one that we get the most questions from from parents, uh, and that is, um, how do I stop my kids from finding things online? Or, you know, I, I, something just popped up on his screen or, you uh-huh. know, it's usually, it's always, it's always boys. Um, and it's, mm-hmm. uh, and it was, I think it's the thing, if we had to put rank all of our sort of parent concerns, I would say that, uh, adult content and pornography would be definitely at the top of the list. Okay. Um, that and too much screen time, but that's a separate issue completely. So, uh, we started looking at it and I think after doing a bit of research and in particular watching, um, I think it's, uh, geez, I don't remember his name now. I think it's Gary... Wilson, uh, he did a TEDx talk in um, Glasgow, TEDx Glasgow, and it was called The Great Porn Experiment. Oh, oh it's okay. an absolutely, if you, if you haven't seen it, it's a fantastic, fantastic video. Okay. And it makes a very compelling case for um, talking to kids and addressing the issue of pornography head on. I think that um, it's what, we've, what we're finding based on the research um, is that um, it's, a, it's a huge, huge, I don't want to say a problem, but uh, I, I think of it like smoking. I think that there is a, a, a lot of research that's coming out now about the effects of pornography, not just uh, on, on us socially. Um, and when I say us, I mean adults and kids. I think that there's, okay. this is something that we need to deal with together. Um, there's a lot of research that's coming out that says it's actually pretty harmful, not just socially uh, and in relationships, uh, potential for there, but also physically, that, it, it, that especially in the younger brain, it can physically alter your brain in ways that it has um, sort of, considerable consequences for later on. 
Wow. Okay. I I just looked up the talk and it's got five million views on it. It is. Yeah. You, you got the name right. It is a uh, Gary Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, so yeah. So go ahead. So you you were seriously? I haven't heard the. You know, I hear often on studies and stuff that talk about pornography, and it seems like they're usually influenced by groups that are against pornography. Just period. But you're saying there's actually physical issues that can happen with the with looking at it too much, especially for youngsters. Yeah, I think that our, uh, the aim of this was that we wanted to look at this thing uh, without any kind of moral or religious or personal bias. You okay. know, I think that there's a lot of a lot of people can come with this exactly like you said. There's a lot of religious groups that come out of it, you know, and, they, and they're they're speaking against pornography, and you know, and they have their own reasons for doing it. And I'm not going to sort of negate those, but we wanted to make sure that when we approach this with students, that we just look at the evidence and the research that's coming out and say very conclusively that there is something going on here. Um, so some of the studies that uh, that we've looked at and that are part of this framework that we're looking at, mm-hmm. um, and I, I should I said it to you before, but I should just make it clear that we haven't implemented this at our school yet. This okay. is something that we've been looking at and something that we're going to be starting this year, um, but it's going to take a lot of coordination because we'd like to do it with different departments, not just as a standalone um, thing in student services. It should be part of biology. It should be part of physical education. Um, and I think we need to approach this thing on a few different levels. So, so you're just in the planning phases right now? Uh, it's It's been planned. I think now it's just implementation. I think we're just not sure when it's going to start and what year group. We oh, initially okay. started, it was going to start in year seven because that's a, a nice time for us. The kids are just about that age. Um, and they're also, it's the first year where they own their own laptops. So they don't have to, they, they take them home at night. Um, right. So they're, they're, you know, the, the floodgates are wide open. So I think it's probably good. That's a good that's a good year group for me. So, okay. Yeah. So some of the research that's, that we've been looking at is that, um, like the Canadian research has said that most boys, uh, looking or looking for pornography by the age of 10, um, Robin Trevo, um, I don't know if you probably know her, but she's, yeah, yeah. she's, yeah, she's out of Australia. And a few years ago, she said that they did a study and they were looking for boys. They were looking for a control group of boys who hadn't looked at pornography. And they said that by the time, a boy is 14 years old or a young man, I guess, 14, mm-hmm. um, almost 100% of all boys at the age of 14 have viewed hardcore pornography. Oh, so specifically hardcore, not just casual or whatever. The, you know, there's different levels of it, but you're saying all the way yeah. to hardcore. Yeah, well, I think that anything, I think that it would, I would say probably hardcore pornography. I would say that's something that's, okay. that's definitely beyond the, yeah, beyond the sort of thing that you would just run into, like if you were walking down the street, you know, something like an advertisement or something. This uh, is definitely okay. something that's a bit different. Um, so I think that, um, that, what, what Gary Wilson was saying in his talk was that um, that it's almost impossible to find a group of people who hadn't been exposed to it. Okay. Um, and I think that what we, in education technology and in technology in general, I think that there's always the compelling case that people say, you know, we've got this amazing tool, we've got these amazing devices, they're everywhere. Um, and I think what, what's, what's different now than there was sort of when we were young um, is that these devices are in our homes and they're fantastic devices and they have the potential for so many great things. But there's also this nefarious kind of thing that's also part of it, and that is that mm-hmm. these devices also, you know, they can they they're piping in all this kind of stuff. So never in the history of the world has there been so much available access to what we might consider in quotes harmful um, adult images. You know. Okay, gotcha. Think- so, so it's not just political ideas; it's everything, and specifically in this case, pornography. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, th- I would think that, yeah. But, so I think we're looking at it just in terms of pornography because I think that um, it is, it's affecting young people and I think that it, it has the potential to affect young people the same way that things like drugs or alcohol or gambling or any kind of addictive uh, behavior or any addictive sort of, um, what's the word, uh, anything that's the subject of addiction. Do, do, do we really know though, I mean, uh, you talked, you've talked a little bit about some of these studies, how it's affecting the kids since we 
know basically a sense of control group. Everybody has access to it, and it sounds like a lot of access to it. Do we know what sort of trends have we seen that changing in society because of it? Do you think? Well, it's interesting. Um, there's, there's. I think that there's two answers to that question. The one is that we can look at it from what the effects of it on the brain are. Um, I think that they're saying that the studies that they've looked at uh, don't exclusively look at pornography, but they don't exclude it. And so they okay. lump it into the same kind of categories as internet addiction or um, or cocaine use or alcoholism or anything like that. Ah. Um, and that it that the the prolonged use of this um, it releases this protein called delta fos B, and that it's this uh, that it's, it's it accumulates in the brain um, that eventually changes the genetic makeup of the brain ah. um, and leads to, it leads to this irreversible damage to the brain's dopamine system, and uh, and it makes people much more prone to addiction. So I think that uh, there's there's the physical aspect of it. Now, the, what Gary says in his talk is that there is this the group that he looks at are the people who have willingly sort of eschewed pornography from their lives, and he calls them. The, there's an internet group called the called NoFap. Um, FAP is a, sort of like a it's like, it's like a slang term for masturbation. Okay, and it's these it's these guys who have um, given up masturbation and given up pornography willingly. Um, because they believe that it's affected their relationships. And they have these testimonies that they post about how it's changed their lives after they take the 90-day challenge or whatever it is. Um, so he's, his argument is that we look at the, the nature of addiction by the people who have uh, willingly gone against it. Okay, so you can, you, that in a sense is your control group. Yeah, I guess that would be the group. I guess that would also be the indicator of, of how serious the problem really is. Sure, because you can see that their lives are better. Now, when you, you talk about the dopamine hit, I can't remember the name of the protein or whatever it is. Yeah, it's sure delta phosphate. Is that the same one that you get when you go running or when you're uh, an alcoholic or cocaine like you just mentioned before? Is it the same one or is it just a different one but has the same impact? That, I'm not sure, actually. I, I don't know if it's the same one about running, but I know that it's okay. the same one that they would they would say it's the same one that if you're an alcoholic or, or something like that. I mean, it's it's sort of it's it, it's the the, the the switch that gets flipped by the introduction of this uh, this accumulation of this delta phosphate. Um, even if you stop drinking or you stop taking cocaine or you stop it, um, it still uh, has changed the brain in such a way that the dopamine system has uh, has changed in a completely different way. Okay. Um, so I think that it's uh, you know there is the brain is a bit it's kind of plasticky as he kind of says and it's it's um, it's malleable. So there is the potential for uh, to change the brain back to you know or at least to to cleanse it in some sense. But um, I think what we want to do is we want to sort of at least present the information to the kids ahead of time. So it's like smoking. So we can say look. We're not going to stop you from smoking. You can't go out there and mm-hmm. say, don't put that in your mouth. It's illegal. Um, but, uh, but, and they're going to choose to do that. But at least they'll, they'll know that, okay, um, now I'm a bit more aware of the effects. And so if they make it, if they double think it or if they make a sort of a double think, if they, if they, if they second guess themselves a little bit or if they, they kind of make a choice instead of saying, you know what, maybe, maybe they're right or start looking into it a little bit more for themselves, then I think that that'll sort of accomplish what we need to, I think. Okay. And, and as part of this as well, this isn't just talking about the physical aspect, I and mean, there's definitely that part of it as well. But I think we also need to address the social elements of it as well. I think right. there's plenty of information out there that talks about the effects that, that pornography has on on the on what a healthy sexual relationship is. If if all if kids are being uh, if their sexual education comes from pornogra- uh, pornography, um, I think that's introducing some problems as well. That um, that's going to have long term consequences. Well, I can imagine it does. If you're saying nearly 100 percent of the uh, boys, especially, have 
encountered it, and, and most schools or a lot of schools don't do any sort of sex education. It's left to the parents, let's say, which we usually don't sure. do it themselves either. Oh yeah, you're, you're, we, a whole new group has been created of what they see as normal sexual activity. I guess. Oh yeah, it's for sure, and I think that that one of the things that we've been looking at too is that um, the because the, this this is I mean there's so there's so much availability of pornography, um, the extreme nature of it as well is pretty. It can be kind of scary sometimes. I don't know, it's scary, but um, it's we, we need to we need to be looking at that. We need to be looking at um, some of the more um, extreme elements of it and how uh, you know. I mean, this, we're talking about um, this is harmful, right? I mean, this, people are being harmed in this industry. I mean, I think it's um, it's a potentially very dangerous industry as well. I don't think that every single person that's part of the pornography industry is is um, you know is doing this against their will. Mm-hmm. But um, and there's people who are probably involved in it who are really happy and making a lot of money and they're great. But I think there's also some pretty destructive elements to it as well. All right. So why now? Why are we or you and you know you're one of the first schools that I know of, at least to have these conversations right now and have a plan or putting a framework in, in place to to talk about it with the wider community. Why why now? Why not last year? Why not ten years from now instead? Uh, that's a good question. Um, maybe ten, ten years. I think is just because we didn't know. I don't. I don't think the research was out there. Okay. I think just more. For myself, I think more. Um, I've just been seeing more and more research. I mean, like if you said, like Gary Wilson's talk said, five million views. I think this is a topic that's coming up. I feel like I've been having conversations with people about this. I think that um, the women that I know um, who are who have been either affected directly or indirectly by this, or who are people who have children, um, they're they're coming up and talking about it more. It seems to be um, much more part of the, the sort of the sort of daily nomenclature that we're hearing as opposed to. Um, just something that people are kind of sweeping under the carpet. I think because it's becoming so prevalent, it's working its way into sort of daily lives. And I think that we can't, we can't ignore that anymore. So can you have a, do you have a guess on how you think the community is going to react when you roll? Have they, they heard about it yet? I imagine how the marketing has to go in a sense. Yeah. This. How do you think your community is going to react question. at your school? That's a really good question. I think we've, we've already talked to teachers a little bit. We've introduced it at the beginning of the year that we would be introducing this at some point during the school year. Um, I think that the parents would probably, I think that some of our parents who are, um, uh, we have liberal minded parents and we have some parents that are a bit more conservative, like every school. Right. So, so, so and, and it is probably the breakdown that is the more conservative parents are like, no, we'll take care of the issue at home. Liberal sure. minded parents are more like, help me do it at school. Yeah, exactly. I think that that's exactly very fair. Our younger kids, you know, they have access to iPads and those things starting quite at younger years nowadays. Are those kids encountering pornography, uh, maybe just by mistake? Um, I think they probably are. I think, I mean, our firewall at school is pretty good, mm-hmm. but if, um, if a kid is uh, going to Google boobs or sexy lady or something like that, and we, we've had cases like that, and I think that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty normal and healthy, um, then we're going to see those kind of things. And so, yeah, there's a curiosity. Um, I think our, um, our parents, I think, will be really supportive of this. I think the kids in secondary, when we start introducing this to them, um, they'll probably be a lot of giggling at first. I think they'll probably sure. be embarrassed and, and there, you know, and there might be some kids who this, like, they're like, why are you even talking to me about this? This has nothing to do with me. Um, you know, like I, I'm using my, um, I mean, I'm using my computer the way I'm supposed to and, you know, and I'm not having any issues or whatever. Right. Um, 
And so we can say, I think to those kids, our answer would be, yeah, that's totally true, but the kids that you're going to be interacting with. And especially, I think that the message has to be different for boys and girls. I think overall, uh, the overall framework and the overall arch has to be talking about this. But I think that we would break the groups down, though. We would speaking, we'd be speaking to boys much more specifically about some things, and then girls, we would be speaking to them about, about body image and about self-respect and those kind of things. I think a little bit differently than we would be speaking to from the boys. I don't think it's, I don't think we need to not speak to the boys about it, but the message is a little bit different. Because I think that the girls, as they're growing up and they're becoming women, they're going to be into relationships and, and you know, um, with boys and, uh, and, and even women, uh, people who are, um, you know, who might have been exposed to pornography or might have mm-hmm. uh, a, an unhealthy uh, approach to pornography. And I think that we need to be approaching it that way um, and, and looking at it from, uh, well, it's not necessarily your problem, but it's a problem that you're going to be dealing with at some point. Right. Now, how about your staff? So, like, uh, I can imagine that any community and the staff would would be part of that would say, yeah, sure, you know, giving information to parents about what's going on and all that's fantastic. But then right. when you're suddenly talking about teaching students, we talked a little bit about how the parents might react. How do you think, uh, or how is your staff reacting to the idea of, of making this part of their curriculum? Because you talked about covering it in a wide group, not just one a one-off class, but actually yeah. covering it across the curriculum. Well, I think that so far the teachers that have that have come on board with this, and I think it's a teacher in science and uh, the PE teacher, mm-hmm. um, they, they're really a, they're really supportive of us. I think that they they were if they weren't speaking about something related to it already, um, they would they would be really happy to to talk and take this framework and work with it. Um, the the science teacher already does talk about some of these things. Um, mm-hmm. so I think that this is just something that we would be able to provide them with a bit more structured lessons around it. Um, and then again, in, in physical education and how this, uh, physically can affect you. I think that's, um, so the science would look at it from the biology perspective and what chemicals are taking place in the brain and, and how that works. Physical would be talking about, you know, um, healthy body image and, mm-hmm. uh, physical aspects of it as well. So I think, and in, 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 in the context of human sexuality. So I think that the, the those departments that would be, very very supportive of it. Um, as far as the the overall staff, uh, that's a, I would probably look at that the same way that parents would be. They'd probably be there'd be some some that'd be like, yeah, this is a great idea, and then some of them the teachers would be like, mm, not totally sure. You need to sell me up, but uh, I think then that's normal. I wouldn't expect that everybody just jumps on board with every single idea that comes across the table. Yeah, certainly you're going to get some resistance. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure, and I think that's normal. But I think that um, it would be. I keep going back to the smoking example. Um, it's pervasive. It's out there. It's everybody's there. It's, it's in some, in some ways it's in quotes, socially acceptable. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so I think that, um, you know, we have to just at least discuss the, what the research says, what the findings are and, um, and you know, and what our, what our position is, uh, is on it uh, as a school. Um, so you plan to roll it out this year, and yeah. you also you're going to talk about this at the upcoming 21st Century Learning Conference in February. And yeah. what are you going to talk yes. about there? We have a framework that let's see, I could just take and take back to my school, that kind of thing. Yeah, we'll that exactly. detail. Yeah, I think that's that's what we've always tried to do. I think with anything that we put together, we always try to make sure that we can that people can leave one of our workshops with uh, with the tools that they can go into the classroom, or mm-hmm. maybe not the next day, but they could definitely go into it and um, you know and uh, and get started right away. Um, at least, to, at least get the discussion started with their schools and who you should be speaking to. And here are some of the lessons and what they might look like. Here's a sample letter that we sent to parents. Um, those kind of things that people could get going right away. I think it's important enough that people would want to do it. Sure. So I we'll we'll need to talk again uh, in a year 
has you, know, you got a plan in place, but the execution of it is, is tricky. So it'll be interesting to see how it went for you guys and what suggestions you might have for other yeah, people. Yeah, for sure. I think is if we do it, if we take it seriously, and I think that if we look at it in the terms of what digital citizenship means, uh-huh. um, and then overall student protection, and then looking at it again from the PE and uh, from a science perspective, I think that um, that really kind of covers us. I think that if it was just a standalone one-off, then it would just be for like sort of lip service saying, "Oh, oh yeah, we discuss pornography with our kids." Right. Um, this is something that needs to be implemented and it needs to be followed up. And what's our long-term strategy for this? And so we've introduced it in year seven this year. What's it going to look like next year? Do we do we talk about it with year eight? Um, uh, you know, they've already been exposed to it the year before. Um, what about the kids in upper years? Um, they're are they more likely or less likely to be affected by this? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so it's, I think it's, that's that's what our long term. Yeah, I think that that would be interesting to see in a year from now what, where our long term strategy is. All right, Rob. If you don't mind, let's take a little different tact and finish up here talking about digital citizenship. And you wanted me to ask you sure. about a Russian bride <laughs> and digital citizenship. What, <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. That's, that sounds like an interesting story. I hope you don't mind talking about it. No, not at so all. What, what's um, going on with the digital citizenship and a so, Russian bride? Does this Russian bride not have good digital citizenship? Is that is that, yeah, is that what's up? Pretty much, yeah. Their information literacy was really weak. Um, <laughs> last, uh, I guess in July, about two days before I got married, uh, I got an email in my spam box, and I check my spam once in a while just to make sure I'm not missing anything. Yeah, you never um, know if there's a Russian bride waiting for you. Yeah, of course. I mean, like like all of us are probably especially waiting. two days before your wedding. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it, it's never it's never too late. But the um, so I got this email from this woman named Elena, uh, 28 years old in Russia, and it was just a scam artist. Like these are this classic. Russian bride scams. Right. Um, but I guess I was pretty, it was the summer and it was two days before I got married and I was feeling a bit punchy or whatever. So I just replied and I said, hey, uh, yeah. And it was, what was classic about her email was that it was like, I'm interested in sports, outdoors, and other. And I thought, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if this is just through a translation or whatever it was. But anyway, I replied to this person. And the emails went back and forth for about almost two months. Oh, wow. Because I wanted to see – my whole interest was I wanted to see how long it would take for them to ask for the money. Right. And it took, right. So it took about seven emails. Um, and then eventually what I ended up doing was I created other accounts and I, I sent them to my financial advisor who was going to do all the payments online. And I created a fake account for a guy named Malcolm, uh, Malcolm King, which was wow. his email address was Malcolm X. <laughs> and then there was a, another person named Rosetta Stone who got involved, and, <laughs> and then Eldridge Cleaver, the manager of the company. And then it, what it ended up was um, I sent this person to the Western Union office and wherever they were in Russia uh, twice. Uh, they went there to get the because I printed out fake receipts and I made fake you know web pages and everything. Jeez. It was it was hilarious. So it ended up that um, that the couple, like this Rosetta Stone and Malcolm King, uh, were actually a couple and. Uh, what I want to do is if I, I want to see if I could get this fake Russian scam artist to fall or, or go for Malcolm. So they shifted their, their love from mine, like from me to Malcolm, and then there was a murder-suicide. And So anyway, what I, uh, what I ended up – yeah, it was ridiculous. <laughs> but I ended up uh, – it, it ended up being a great lesson for the kids, and I presented it to them on Friday last week and in, in terms of digital citizenship and talking about what your online persona is and what's, what's safety and – how do you know what information is real and what's information literacy look like? And obviously this person that was trying to scam me um, didn't have a lot of information literacy because if they did, all they had to do was just Google the company that I said I was working for and whatever and they realized it would have, would have been a total scam. But, but it ended up being really funny and uh, I thought at some point I might you know, put this into a presentation and present it at a conference. But I, I'm not sure if, how relevant it is and um, if people would be – I mean it's more of a comedy piece than anything else. Yeah, I think it would be entertaining. It would be interesting, that's for sure. Yeah, it would be definitely entertaining. Um, and maybe maybe people might get something out of it as far as you know how to talk to kids about it. But about halfway through, I realized 
that I could use this in a really great lesson, and so that's why I continue. I think it'd be a great blog post somewhere. It would be a great blog post, and it, you know, what would be great is if uh, if the, the Russian mafia that actually <laughs> organizes <laughs> these games actually came and did something to me about it, then there would be a great uh, living testament. <laughs> a great conversation between. I'm <laughs> yeah. Hearing from both sides of the story. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, I've been talking with Rob Newberry. He's the Director of Educational Technology at Chatsworth International School. Rob, thank you so much for your time today. No, it's a pleasure. Thanks a lot for calling me, Mike. I really I enjoy talking to you all the time. This interview was brought to you by 21st Century Learning International. Find us on the web at 21clradio.com. <laughs>